Whatever consumes us controls us. That is certainly true about technology. Technology is always vying for our attention, in addition to the million other responsibilities that we have in a day. However, Christians are supposed to live differently. We are supposed to have a different focus, different priorities. We are supposed to be resting in the presence of Christ and drawing strength from his word. It's very difficult to do that, though, when our mind and heart are pulled in so many different directions. Here today is Dr. James Spencer, and he wrote the book, Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Christ. It's about resisting the urge to always be distracted, to always be in a hurry, to always be busy, and to simply rest in the presence of God and the strength that we can draw from doing that. He's got a lot of biblical insight for us, but also a lot of practical tips that I know that you're really going to gain encouragement from. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Dr. Spencer, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is James Spencer. Uh, I, uh, I currently serve as president of the D.L. Moody Center, which is an independent nonprofit organization out in uh, Northfield, Massachusetts. And we're dedicated to preserving some of the historic properties and uh, letters and papers of and about D.L. Moody. Um, D.L. Moody actually lived most of his life in Northfield, Massachusetts, and there are several older historic buildings, um, including where he was born, uh, where he lived when he moved from Chicago back to Northfield, and then a 2,300-seat auditorium that he built to host uh, summer conferences and uh, and various sort of Bible study gatherings uh, on that Northfield campus. And so we're in the process of preserving those and opening them to the public, and uh, our digital archives project is actually already up on our website. Uh, so we do all those things. We also run a campaign called Go Dark, Shine Bright that uh, encourages uh, Christians to uh, hop off social media for uh, several days and uh, really focus in on God's word and prayer, um, sort of disconnect from stories that are denying God and reconnect with the stories that affirm him. And so um, we're involved in a lot of discipleship ministry as well as uh, just preserving the property and legacy of the Moody. Yes, and in case people don't know, D.L. Moody, 19th century um, evangelist and who really emphasized mm-hmm. discipleship and pioneered discipleship in a lot of ways for the modern church. So just in case people didn't know that. But uh, the project of the D.L. Moody Center, the Go Dark, Shine Bright, um, there's a connection from that to your book. And your book is is called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Christ. And a big part of your book is about distraction. The world is constantly distracting us. And uh, something that I always think of when I think of distraction is that quote in, in screw tape letters that I'll, I'll butcher it, but basically that the demons are talking about making the entire world noise. So we are constantly distracted from the things that matter. So tell us a little bit about that, why you wrote this book and why you decided to write about distraction. Yeah, when we when we first started the Go Dark Shine Bright campaign, what we were really trying to solve was how do we get God's people to um, read the scriptures and uh, engage in prayer more often? And so what we ultimately came to was this idea that um, prayer and Bible study are really 
uh, in competition with scrolling on social media, mm-hmm. shopping on Amazon, you know, surfing the internet, all those sure. kind of things. And so what we decided was that we needed to sort of get people to stop doing those things, not completely, but for a time. Um, we're not really anti-technology, but we do recognize that oftentimes we can get a little bit too inundated um, with the with the information that's coming through all those different channels. And so what we encourage people to do was just to take a fast, essentially, from uh, social media. Um, this year, it's actually we're broadening it out to any media that um, you may feel is hindering you from spending time with God's word. And uh, as they take that break, we ask them to uh, read through the scriptures, to um, have a specific prayer time. And then uh, ultimately, the shine bright aspect of the the project is um, going back out onto social media or into your networks, your social networks, whether they're digital or in person, and um, and really proclaiming Christ uh, by explaining to people what how he met you as you gave these things up and really started to re-engage with his word. And so uh, distraction has become something of a topic um, that I've been uh, thinking about since we started that program. As you start to look around the world, what you really see is not just on uh, digital or social media, but almost everywhere. We are just busy with the urgencies of the day. Mm. And uh, there are a lot of good things that can distract us. Mm -hmm. And so I eventually found my way to the story of Mary and Martha. And, um, you know, when you look at what Martha is doing, as she is uh, caring for Jesus in her home, she doesn't seem to be doing anything particularly bad. She's just busying herself with w- busying herself with the expectations of the day, making sure that um, the hospitality is cared for, making sure that uh, things are getting done. And she becomes frustrated because Mary's not helping her. Mm. But it's the one time in Scripture where you really see the word "distracted" used. And Jesus, you know, it it basically says she's distracted with all these other things. But when she comes to Jesus, he says, no, Mary's chosen the good portion and it will not be taken from her. Mm. And so I think there's something deep in this that um, there are many things that can pull us away from the feet of Jesus. There are many things that can distract us from following him and really moving forward on our walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we need to resist those things. And really focus in on imitating Christ and making sure that our lives are conformed as much as possible and increasingly so to his image. Yes. And I just want to read a portion of that passage for people who may be unfamiliar or you just need a refresher. And that is uh, Luke 10. 38 through 42. I might not read the entire thing, but now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She's like so incredulous about this. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, which I just read as so compassionate and understanding. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So as you mentioned so well, Martha is not doing something in itself that is bad. In fact, she probably has the the right heart or maybe correct intentions and in that she's thinking, well, I've got the Lord here. I mean, I've got Jesus here. I want to do everything I can to serve him. And you said we can be distracted by good things sometimes. Obviously, service is good. 
working hard is good. Doing the things that God has called us to is is good. So how do we distinguish reading this passage and even just looking at our lives? Like what is a good godly, I don't even want to call it distraction, I guess form of busyness and action versus something that is actually distracting us from what God has called us to do and resting in the Lord? Yeah, I think we have to think about it in terms of what time we're actually spending with Jesus as opposed to, um, you know, is what we're doing good or bad, mm. right? It, this passage almost gives us a, a better litmus test to gauge some of our activities. And when those activities begin to distract us or pull us away from really following Jesus, when we're, here's the way I think of it. When I find myself on autopilot, where I'm really not um, engaging in prayer, discerning the Holy Spirit, or thinking about whether or not what I'm doing is what God would have me do. You know, if I'm not asking the question, I love this quote from Jürgen Moltmann. He talks about um, sin as being unwilling to be what God requires. Mm. And so when I'm not willing to be what God requires, and I'm not really seeking that part out, and I'm just running on autopilot, I'm, I'm meeting all of the um, expectations that people would generally put on me. I'm being generally moral. You know, I'm, uh, I'm sort of just going with the flow of the conventions of society. And, and I'm not really putting any intentional thought into, am I actually following Christ at this moment? Once I go for some time like that, I find myself sort of um, missing the mark in a lot of ways. I'm missing opportunities for Christ to really form me and change me and push me and pull me. And so I think we have to be careful not to begin running on autopilot because that suggests a level of self-sufficiency that we really don't have. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's going on here in the Mary and Martha story is that Martha is very much going about the business of the day. These are expectations that anyone who's providing hospitality would be you know, sort of expected to do. But what she's missing is this element of centering life around Jesus. And and so the way, one of the ways that I often think about this is that um, God is the most relevant actor and factor in any situation. Mm. And so if we're not orienting ourselves to him, it's a good chance that we're being distracted. Our attention is being drawn away from him to other things. And it takes, you know, I think a lot of small efforts to make sure that we are cultivating a sense of God's presence in our lives, such that in any situation now, we are really more capable or accustomed to responding to God as opposed to responding to the situation. All right, first sponsor for the day. It is a sponsor that I love. I love this company and their products. It's We Heart Nutrition. They're a small family-owned business that creates supplements and vitamins for women at every age and stage of life. Right now, I'm taking their uh, DHA, their postnatal vitamins, and I really, really like it. Like I can feel a difference, and I know it's high quality. I love that all of their vitamins, all the ingredients are made in the most bioavailable form that they come in. Uh, You might not know that there is uh, a difference in the forms of nutrients that we get through these supplements, and they make sure that they're in the most bioavailable form so that your body can actually absorb things like iron, like the vitamin A, B, 
all of that. And I just really appreciate that because if I'm going to be taking supplements, I want to know that my body is actually benefiting from it and that it's making a difference. And I can trust that with We Heart Nutrition. I've been taking the same brand of supplements for years and I just recently switched to them. And I'm really glad that I did. I love supporting a company that's run by a family that shares the same values that you and I do. I even love the packaging. You can just tell how much they care about the quality of their products. And they are also uh, raising money for pregnancy centers uh, through their sales. And so you can just feel good about this all around. They have a 15-day no questions asked return policy. So if for whatever reason it doesn't work out for you, no worries, no obligation. You can use code Allie for 20% off. Use code Allie for 20% off at weheartnutrition.com. That's weheartnutrition.com, code Allie. So tell me about some of the specific topics that are covered in this book. You talk about resistance, imitation, time, response, attention, coordination, preservation, discernment, effort, testimony, inclusion, and accountability. And obviously, we don't have time to go through all of them. People should go out and read your book to know what you mean by all of these things. But let's talk about a couple of them. When you're talking about imitation and when you're talking about response, what do you mean by that in relation to distraction and focusing on the right things. So when I think about imitation, uh, much of the imitation chapter is really rooted in the work of a gentleman named Rene Girard. And he, he suggested that um, our human activities are really in relation to other humans. So in other words, we're not really pursuing objects of desire. We are seeking to emulate someone else. And so we start to pick up um, their desires. We start to, um, you know, sort of adopt their way of thinking and their way of being in the world. And he argued that ultimately that creates a level of conflict. And so you can imagine that if, you know, you're emulating someone, you're imitating someone and you're picking up what, you know, you're saying, okay, I want to desire what they desire, that ultimately you're going to be in competition for what you both desire. Now with Christ, it's a little different. Because as we imitate Christ and we adopt his desires, as we allow him to determine what we should care about and what we shouldn't care about, there isn't a competition there because there's no there's an endless supply of abundance that God can provide. And so we're not competing with Christ when we imitate him. What we are doing is we are orienting ourselves in the world in a way that we begin to see the world as Christ sees it. And so our imitation there really involves not only, um, you know, it doesn't involve at all, um, you know, walking around in sandals or, you know, wearing, a, you know, Second Temple Jewish sort of garb. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the sort of imitation we're looking at. But what we are trying to look at is how is it that we can emulate Christ and live the sort of life that he lived? Um, in, in, in many ways, it's, it's about fulfilling the one of the components of the Great Commission, which is learning to observe all that Christ commanded. Mm-hmm. And really living that out. And so that that's imitation. Um, when we think about response, uh, I usually go to something like um, the David and Goliath narrative, or there's this fascinating narrative in First Samuel where, you know, uh, Saul is pursuing David, trying to kill him because he knows that David has been anointed king of Israel. Saul goes into the cave uh, where David and his men are hiding, and David has opportunity to kill Saul and take over the throne. And despite the encouragement of David's men, David refuses to raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. 
And what I see in that narrative is David really focusing in on not just his situation at the moment where Saul's been chasing him around. He's obviously in an uncomfortable situation. Now he has an opportunity to remedy that. But instead, David, instead of responding to the situation, David responds to God and says, no, I will wait for God to do this for me. This is not mine to take. It's God to give. Hmm. And so as we look at response and think about how we would cultivate uh, a sense of um, awe Mm -hmm. and reverence and respect for all that God is doing, as opposed to trying to enact sort of God's justice on our own or or to sort of move forward in ways that would maybe use a great place to go is Ephesians 6. You know, we do not fight against flesh and blood. You know, we fight against um, the powers and principalities and spiritual realms. Well, if we're using fleshly efforts to sort of try to change the world into our vision of what it should be, we're probably not responding to God in those moments. We're really responding to a situation we find uncomfortable. And so there's a balance there between being patient and uh, being proactive that I think we need to think through and cultivate. And I'm guessing that's probably what you cover in the discernment chapter, because I am thinking as you're talking about this, wow, this takes a lot of discernment, which I think just emphasizes your point even more of the importance of being connected to Christ and resting in Christ, sitting at his feet, proverbially, and hearing his teachings, because that discernment is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And whatever fills us controls us, whether we are uh, filled with the dopamine hits that are coming from scrolling and being addicted to our phones, whether you're filled with alcohol, whatever you are filled with is going to control you and determine the decisions that you make. Being filled with the Holy Spirit empowers you to make these kind of discerning decisions because it's not as it's not always as easy as black and white. Sometimes busyness is glorifying to God. Sometimes it is just sitting and resting, but it does. It takes a lot of honest analysis of the motivations of your heart, the outcomes that you are trying to produce, and really what God is calling you to in that moment. It's very easy for all of us. And this isn't a a large portion of this audience is moms. It's very easy for all of us to call our our sinful busyness by different things, whether we call it service or whether we just excuse it because, well, we're moms. Of course, we're just going to be busy all the time. Of course, we're not going to be able to read our Bibles. Of course, we're not going to be able to pray. That's just the season of life that I'm in. And I'm not trying to diminish the real busyness that comes with the responsibility of parenthood. But the reality is, is that we are all called, just as Mary and Martha were called in that passage, we are all called to prioritize rest, to prioritize connection. And some of the busyness that we have in our lives is not as necessary as I think we think that it is and we tell ourselves it is, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think usually when I'm counseling people on how to go about doing this, I say two things. Um, Number one, it doesn't take big efforts. It takes consistent efforts over time. Uh, I do a lot of weight training. And so, you know, it's consistency and progressive overload. You know, if you're if you're bench pressing 225 pounds and you need to add five pounds to the barbell, you know, there are certain places, people in the gym who will kind of laugh at that five pounds. But I can guarantee if you continue adding five pounds to the to the barbell, yeah. there's a point at which that five pounds is going to make the difference. Right. And so it's about small, incremental, consistent changes and ways of focusing in our daily life 
D.L. Moody has a great quote, and and sort of like you quoting C.S. Lewis, I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> um, but uh, he says, you know, many people miss out on um, working in God's kingdom and really being productive parts of God's kingdom uh, because they're so focused on doing great things as opposed to doing little things. Mm. And so what I encourage people is not to view this as this huge monumental task that, you know, you you may or may not feel capable of doing. But to hone in on these small little practices, and as we practice, as we obey in the small ways, and we allow God to sort of enter our lives and prove Himself to us, um, sort of that idea of uh, Malachi three ten, you know, God calls the Israelites to test Him through obedience, and as we do that in those little ways across time, I think God shows up. The other thing I usually recommend to people is just keeping in mind, you know, First John one nine, confession is a part of our everyday lives as Christians. We're going to get this wrong, and uh, that's okay. Uh, the The point is not getting it right every time. The point is recognizing when we get it wrong, confessing that, and growing from it. And so, luckily, God gives us the grace to mm-hmm. miss the mark and uh, and to recalibrate and to reorient ourselves so that we are more focused on Him. But we need to be cognizant of these things, and I think that's the main reason that I chose to write on the topics that I did in the book is that I wanted to provide um, some broad frameworks for people to begin thinking through that they might not get in other devotional literature. And so uh, that's really what these chapters are designed to be, yeah. is to help people think through those sort of non, uh, those topics that aren't as regularly treated mm-hmm. um, in Christian circles. All right, second sponsor for the day is Naturally It's clean. So all of you moms out there, you're in charge of cleaning your home probably, and you want to make sure that the ingredients in your cleaning products um, are good, that they're safer for your family. You don't want a bunch of nasty chemicals and fake fragrances, but you also want cleaning products that actually work. And that's why I really like Naturally It's Clean. It's all made in the USA. They use plant-based enzymes in all of their products uh, to offer you a, a safer alternative to some of the other cleaners out there. None of those fake fragrances or anything like that. I love the multi-surface cleaner, the stainless steel cleaner, the carpet cleaner. Those are probably my favorites. The The carpet cleaner is like actually magical the way it's able to get out paint and coffee and all the stuff that spills on your carpets and rugs when you're just living your life, especially when you're raising young kids. And so check them out. You can see some of my favorite products if you go to naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. You can use code Allie for 15% off. That's naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie, code Allie, naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie, code Allie. Something that stands out to me about that passage too, is just Jesus's, as you said, his grace for Martha, his kind of understanding of where she's coming from and that he's he sees underneath her service what's going on in her heart and mind that you are troubled and that you are anxious. And so he sees that really the motivation behind these things isn't so much this kind of like just peaceful, joyful worship that she's doing through acts of service, but it's actually she's worried like she's she's wound up in those moments. And so you see that God is trying to 
relax her and release her from those unnecessary obligations for her good. It's not just that we're trying to live this stoic Luddite life as Christians, that we can't engage in any kind of technology or any modern form of fun. He releases us from the things that burden us. I mean, Jesus's yoke is easy. His burden is light. And so releasing distractions is actually like a gracious gift that God gives us that I know for myself, I don't always take that gift. For some reason, it's like I want to carry this heavy burden of the of the distractions that I have in my life. I guess it's just an addiction. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I struggled with a lot of this whenever I at work. Um, and in many ways I am a workaholic. I yeah. mean, uh, I still, you know, sort of struggle with it and making sure that I, um, balance sort of, you know, create that sort of work-life balance that everybody talks about, which I think is sort of like a unicorn. It's, it's yeah. fictional. Yeah. Um, but the reality is I, I, I do, I think I tend to take a lot more on myself than I probably need to. And I would say through the development of the Godard Shine Bright campaign, through the writing of this book and various other things, what I've come to realize is that I can have a great deal more peace and satisfaction in my life and still be as productive as I ever was hmm. without feeling that pressure and stress and urgency. And like you said, the deep weight that sort of comes from taking it all on me. Right. And so I think as I've allowed myself to say, you know, God has gifted me with a certain capacity. Um, but the reality is that that capacity, um, while I should exercise it, it isn't the end all be all of who I am. And I need to be tying in with God because he can do far greater things through my weakness in, in a lot of ways than he yeah. can through my strength. Yeah. And so... There's a balance there that we have to, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both and, but I think the unfortunate part is we usually emphasize the part where we say, well, God's given me these gifts. I have to use them. And we ignore uh, more often than not these areas, or at least I did, these areas where I was weak, but God could use me through my weakness. I didn't mm. want that to happen. Of course. I wanted to always be operating out of my strength. Mm -hmm. And I think that kept me sort of in a frenzy and mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in this sort of relentless, unrestful frenzy. Yeah. Whereas now I'm, uh, I'm a much more, I've found a much more calm place to be productive in the kingdom and a much more connected place to understand who Christ is and what my relationship with him should really be doing in me, transforming mm -hmm. me. All right, time to tell y'all about Good Ranchers. I've been talking about Good Ranchers for a long time because we love it so much. We love Good Ranchers in our home. That's what we rely on every night for dinner. It's just one part of our meal that we don't have to worry about. I haven't shopped for meat in the grocery store in years, and I'm so happy about that because you know you can't trust those stickers on the meat in the grocery store that says made in the USA. That typically means packaged in the USA, but the meat is imported from who knows where. That's not true with Good Ranchers. You are actually getting all of your chicken, all of your beef, all of your bacon, from an American farm or ranch. And I really appreciate that. We love their uh, we love their ground beef. That's what we probably use the most. 
their bacon, their non-pre-marinated chicken, their pre-marinated chicken. We absolutely love all of it, and it just makes our life so much easier. Plus, this is a company that is owned by a Christian conservative family that you can trust. Go ahead and subscribe. Get that box of meat to your front door every month. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie for 15% off. GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Tell us a little bit more about the um, practical steps that you take. You mentioned that you're a workaholic, like a lot of us are. And so I, I appreciate that this is like a real everyday struggle for you. I'm sure as you used the metaphor of weightlifting, it's gotten better and better. But I imagine when you first kind of started thinking through this, it wasn't very easy and you had to just take some very tangible steps to say, okay, this is how I'm going to eliminate this needless distraction in my life. Tell us just a little bit, maybe, I don't know, two or three things that all of us can do starting today to help us. Yeah, absolutely. I think number one, you, you sort of have to take a step back, look at your life and recognize what you're using as a crutch. So for me, my crutch was academics. Um, studying the Bible um, is something that I really love and enjoy, and it's obviously a good thing. But I was using it as a crutch to say, see, I'm, I'm in good shape, right? I'm in good spiritual shape because I read my Bible all the time. I'm always writing or researching something. And so I'm in good shape. I wasn't in good shape. Right. right. I was using my I was using that Bible study as an excuse not to do other things. And so part of what I needed to do was sort of rightly diagnose myself. And so I started once I realized, you know, hey, I'm using this as a crutch. What I started to do was take more time out to pray. And I would basically set a a minimum limit for myself every day that I was going to pray. And it wasn't very big at first. It was like, you know, five to ten minutes. Right. I'm always going to pray ten minutes a day. And that may not seem like much, but when you go from basically zero to 10, it's a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, I had to set those little small benchmarks for myself just so that I got it in every day. And I was opening that door to God using those moments where I was saying, okay, um, 10 minutes of prayer is better, is, is me spending my time better than I could and doing anything else. Um, so I would say set small little benchmarks as you go. Um, that'd be one of my pieces of advice. And then the other piece of advice I would give that, that I found really helped me was changing the cadence of my day. Uh, so I recently started doing uh, getting up earlier. Uh, and then I'll set boundaries, specific boundaries on when I'm done working. Mm. And so uh, last night I, I shut I work at home, um, which is even more challenging. Oddly. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, but usually, um, you know, I'll get up at 5.30 in the morning. I'll uh, do a workout. I'll work from 6.30 to about 7.30 when I have to take my kids to school and, you know, different things like that. Um, and then I'll come back and work till around 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. And then I'm done. Laptop, laptop stays in my office. Um, and uh, I try to keep my phone out of my hands uh, after 4 o'clock. Mm. And so... You know, there, there are those kind of things that I think are really important to set boundaries for yourself mm -hmm. and to begin thinking that, you know, any email I get after four o'clock, it's probably not so important that I can't wait to answer it tomorrow. Yeah. 
you know, um, it, it's just, it's sort of that mindset shift and a discipline to reinforce it. And so I'd encourage folks to do that. I, I think the last thing I'd say is, um, you know, getting other people involved. Um, my family is uh, really supportive about the cadence of life that I'm setting for myself, and I'm supportive of the cadence of life that they set for themselves. And so I think having that sort of community and encouragement around us is important. Um, I, I I usually tell the story. I lost uh, 50 pounds in 2018. Wow. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and and you don't do that without help. Yeah, there have been a lot of things that I've done in my life that I couldn't have done without help. Mm. Finishing my PhD was one of them, you know, without my wife helping me along and, and really providing a good social system for me while I was doing that, I would have never finished. Mm. Um, I think the same was losing the 50 pounds. And so you have to set your environment up for success and you yeah. have to have that social structure and system to really help you do these things. Yeah. And so that would be my encouragement is to find that community and social structure that's really going to help you through. Last sponsor for the day is Public Square. So we talk a lot about uh, trying as much as we reasonably can to only spend money at places that actually align with our values. And every effort that we make in that direction counts. And Public Square makes that really easy. If you're looking to uh, for alternatives to companies that hate you, then you need to download the Public Square app. You can find all kinds of businesses and services that actually align with our values. You just enter in your email, your location, these local businesses will pop up and you can support them. And you can also list your business for free. If you are a business owner uh, that's a conservative, that's a Christian, that aligns with pro-America values, you can list your business there and other people can support you. So download the Public Square app, go to the app store or go to public sq.com download the app that way that's publicsq.com I love the comparison that you've made a couple times of physical fitness even when you're talking about setting up your environment for success if you're trying to lose weight and your counters are aligned with junk food or if you're an alcoholic you're trying to give up alcohol and you're constantly walking into a bar you're seeing handles of liquor whatever it is that's going to make it a lot more difficult and I think sometimes we don't think about that about our tech devices that okay if we don't want to be distracted then walking around with our email with our social media which is something I do so I'm talking to myself is probably not going to set us up for success when it comes to those things. And so we have to, as you mentioned earlier, recognize our weaknesses and set up safeguards and have other people as well help us set up those safeguards so we can remain focused on the things we need to be focused on. Yeah, I mean, there's so many little things that we can do that just, they're really no effort. I mean, I don't use my phone as an alarm clock anymore. Yeah. I have an old school analog alarm clock that goes off in the morning if I feel like I need to wake up and my phone's charging in another room. Yeah. And, and so, you know, those kind of little things can really be impactful. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the ones that I found out recently as we were designing the Go to Art Shine Bright program this year is, you know, prolonged, consistent use of any screen after dark can uh, is now been correlated with increased levels of depression. Yeah, I believe and that. And it's related to, yeah, I mean, it's just related to your brain not knowing light from dark. Mm. And so these are like subtle ways that we're not even necessarily trying to hinder our discipleship, but we 
may very well be. And so we just have to be cognizant of these things. Yeah, there's definitely a spiritual metaphor to be explored there when you don't know the difference between light and dark. All kinds of confusion and chaos can be uh, can show up in your life. Well, thank you so much. This has been so insightful, very encouraging. And your book, again, is called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Christ. People can get it wherever books are sold. I'm guessing it's probably on christianbooks.com. Maybe it's your local bookstore as well. And I'm sure on all the places where uh, books are sold. And where can people find out more about Go Dark, Shine Bright and the DL Moody Center? So they can go directly to godarkshinebright.org and sign up for the um, campaign this year. We've got over 12,000 so far signed up, which has been great. Mm. Um, all they have to do is put their email in and then they'll download a guide um, with uh, this time we formatted it as 20 questions about Christianity and digital technology and uh, also gave 10 days worth of devotionals to kind of last people through their social media fast. So go dark, shine bright.org um, to do that. And I should say that um, all the profits from the book sales actually go to supporting our ministry. Wow. And so um, when they purchase Christian resistance, all of that goes to supporting the go dark, shine bright program and in uh, the Dion Moody Center more generally. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on, Dr. Spencer. No problem. Thanks for having me.